0: Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Well, last week we kicked off a series. Who is this man? Asking the single most important question that every one of us must ask. And answer, who is this man named Jesus? Now, Pastor Ryan kicked off our series uh, last week and he brought up a a point. He said, uh, you can't just call him a good man. You can't just call him a good teacher that said some good things because there's some things he said in this book that either he is who he says he is or he's just crazy. Like, it can't go both ways. And if Jesus is who he says he is, well, then that... That requires a different response from us. Who is this man? Through this series, we're gonna be studying the Gospel of John. And John's Gospel, his account of the life of Jesus, tells us something different and more than maybe Matthew's account or Mark or Luke's account. Uh, John has these extended conversations recorded of Jesus with his followers and with people that give us a glimpse into his heart. There's a lot of insight that we see around the, the upper room conversation, the, the Last Supper, the, the Garden of Gethsemane, where we get to see just how much Jesus loves us. And one of the reoccurring themes in the Gospel of John are the I am's of Jesus. These declarations that Jesus makes where he says, I am the bread of life. That's what Ryan preached on last week. And if you eat of me, you will never go hungry again. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. And what's important is all of those I am statements that Jesus makes, they're in the present tense. He's saying right here, right now, I am. He's not saying I was. He's not saying I might be someday. No, he's saying right here, right now, today, I am. Because God is a right here, right now kind of God. Whatever you need right now, baby, he's got it. Wherever you find yourself today, whatever you need him to do, the king is in the room. He's actually here today. He wants to meet with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to answer that prayer that you're praying today. That's who he is. And probably the ultimate I am statement in the, in the gospel of John is found in John chapter eight, where Jesus is talking to some Jewish leaders about how to be right with God. And in verse 58, Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. And at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus slipped away from them. And by the way, they picked up stones to stone him, not because of poor grammar. What, what does that even mean? No. He was actually saying, I am God, I am Yahweh. And as we study through the gospel of John, every time Jesus uses one of these I am statements, he is emphatically saying, I am Jehovah. I am your God, I am your hope, I am your source, I am your strength, I am everything that you are looking for and longing for. That's who I am. So today I wanna look at one of those declarations that Jesus made that impacts our life today. He says in John chapter eight, verse 12, I am the light of the world. And the person who follows me will never live in darkness. He will have the light that actually gives life. Now leave that verse up for just a moment. The context of this scripture of where Jesus said this is very significant. He was making this declaration in the temple courts at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is when the Israelites would celebrate uh, that God brought them through the wilderness and led them to this place that God had given them. And on this celebration, there were these massive candlesticks in the temple court. Massive meaning scholars say they were 75 feet tall. So we're not talking about seven feet tall, 75 feet tall with candles on top of them. And they would burn these candles to symbolize the pillar of fire that had led the Israelites through the wilderness. And Jesus was in the temple, standing in front of these candles, saying, I am the light of the world. You're trying to fabricate light. You're trying to make something light up, but I've come to actually light you up. You're you're trying trying to find it your own way, trying to look for it in your own way. And I'm here to tell you that I've got what you're looking for. And I wonder how many times He says that to us, we're looking for significance. We're looking for purpose in different things of this world. And he's like, I'm right here. I got everything you need. I am the light of the world. You know, light is a a pretty powerful thing. The light on the headlights of your car, help you see at night so you can drive and not hit something light in the form of a laser in the hands of a surgeon can precisely remove a cataract from a patient. And the light that radiates from the sun keeps our planet moving. Without it, we would cease to exist. And we as humans, we crave light, we need light. It affects us, it affects our moods. Like, I am so glad I live in the sunshine state. Dear Lord, one day like yesterday, and I'm like, oh, where's the sun, right? Ah, I pray for all the people up north, joining in right now. God, part the skies and let the sun shine down on them, we pray. It affects our moods. It affects our concentration and our productivity, which is why, Office buildings and schools are often well lit to stimulate brain activity, right? It affects our sleep patterns. It's hard to go to sleep when the lights are on, right? I mean, even Julie's, her little clock has a light on it and sometimes that can keep me up. I'm putting like napkins over it and books in front of it, trying to block the light so I can sleep because light just can affect us. And I think that we can't fully comprehend just how much light meant to people living in the first century. Because when the sun would go down, the day was done and it got dark. There were no street lights, there was no electricity, there were no flashlights on the end of your iPhone. It was just dark. And the only way that somebody could see is you had to to light a, a candle or an oil lamp so that you could find your way in the dark. Now, in the dark, things can get a little scary in the dark. Things that look normal in the daylight, like when all the power goes out in your house, oh, and you can't fight, who's here? <laughs> Movies actually reduce the light to intensify the fear. People walking in the shadows, the music gets kind of ominous, your heart starts beating fast. Oh, something's gonna happen, it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, those things never take place. In the daytime, in the lunchroom with a hundred people around. No, no, no. It happens when you're by yourself down an alley somewhere going, oh God, sometimes life gets dark. Situations happen that that extinguish the joy and the hope from our lives and everything around us feels dark and heavy and depressed and, and we don't know how we got there. Sometimes it's by situations and choices that we've made the consequences of sin in our life, the consequences of somebody else's sin in our life, and all of a sudden we find ourselves stuck in the dark. But Jesus said, you don't have to stay there. He says, I am the light of the world, and I've come to light you up and to flood your life with light. But you've gotta follow me. See, most of us would say, well, Todd, I want this light in my life. I don't wanna be stuck in, in the darkness but the truth is there are some places in our lives that are still dark today, even for those of us that are following Jesus. Yes. Some things that are stuck in the shadows. And Jesus says, I don't want you to stay there. I don't want those things to stay there. I wanna, I wanna light you up, baby. I wanna flood your heart with, with light. But look again at that verse, verse, eight, verse uh, chapter eight, verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. And the person who, what, what are those next two words? Follow. Follows me. The person who follows me will never live in darkness. One version says, we'll never stumble through the darkness. He will have the light that gives life. So don't miss this. The only way that you and I experience the light is we have to follow the light. So what does it mean to follow Jesus, the light of the world? I'm afraid too many Christians follow Jesus like they follow people on Facebook or Instagram. We just kind of scroll through his feed every once in a while. We open the Bible, I'm gonna scroll oh, I like that, oh, scroll. oh, I don't like that. I, we just, some of us have muted him and we're not even getting notifications any, any longer, right? I don't think that's what Jesus meant when he said, follow me. In fact, that word in the original language in the Greek is akoulutheo. And this is the definition of that word follow. It means to follow someone who takes the lead in determining direction and the root of movement. Think about that for a minute. To follow someone who takes the lead, they're leading, I'm not leading, you're not leading, they're leading, in determining the direction and the root of movement. So the question is, who's determining the direction of your life? Who's determining the direction of your Monday? Who's determining the root of movement for you? Who's taking the lead in your life? You might've heard me tell the story if you've been around Christ Fellowship about when Julie and I were first married and I wanted to surprise her, I had this great idea. I, I, I was going we were gonna go backpacking across Europe, but I didn't talk to her about it. I just went out and bought two backpacks and two non-refundable plane tickets. Stuck them in the backpack, i was so excited. Like, look what we're gonna do. And she's like, I don't wanna do that. I'm like, it's a refund, non-refundable tickets, we're going, right? So I ended up carrying two backpacks across Europe. It was awesome. And we actually had this book on no lie, how to do Europe on $20 a day. It was something like that. It was like, we would just, it would tell you where to eat for cheap, where to stay for cheap, where to sleep for cheap, how to get the cheap, tra- how to get the free stuff. And so um, one of the things it said is you could go into a town and if you didn't have a place to stay, you could look for these, these tourist guides with yellow lanyards and you could trust them. They're authorized by the by the city. And so we took a train to Venice, got off the train at Venice and there was this little lady that saw me you know looking in my book like this and I had a, you know, a big target on my head and, and she came up. To us in speaking in Italian, said, Come, prego, prego, come, prego. Well, I thought prego was spaghetti sauce, so I'm thinking she's gonna feed us free spaghetti. So we follow this little lady through the town and we figure out we're gonna stay. She's got a place for us to stay. So we follow her through the little, over the bridges and through these little uh, streets and we end up in this little part of town that's not so good. And she opens up the door to her, I guess it's her apartment, and there's this little staircase going up. And we're like, Well, we come this far. And right across the little courtyard, there's an outdoor bar and this man was singing in English, playing the guitar, welcome to the Hotel California. I'm not lying. And right as we get ready to step in, he gets to the line, you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. And Julie's eyes got real big and the little lady, he's praying, praying, praying. So we follow her up into the room and and we, we bolt the door lock and we move the dresser in front of it and we have an all night prayer meeting. Oh God, save us. How did we get here? This is not what I planned. I'll tell you exactly how we got there. We followed that little Italian lady through the streets saying, prego, prego, prego. And here's what I know. We are where we are today because of the voices we listen to and the people we follow. You, you and I, you, you are where you are today. Because of the voices you listen to and the people that you follow. Maybe you've ended up somewhere in your life and you're going, how did I get here? I didn't plan to get here, I didn't wanna get here. I'll tell you how you got there. Voices you listen to yes. and the people you follow. Who you follow will actually forecast your future. Yes. It'll actually indicate where you will be. And Jesus says, if you wanna be in the light, you better follow me. On, yes. That's what it means to be a Christian. Yes. See, a lot of people use that word Christian. That's Over 60% of Americans say they're Christians. But do you know that that word Christian is only used three times in the Bible? And the first time is found in Acts chapter 11, verse 25, where it says the followers of Jesus were first called Christians in Antioch. Now the reason they were called Christians, which means little Christs, that's a whole sermon in itself right there. The reasons they were first called Christians is because they followed Christ. They followed his teachings. They followed everything that he had laid out through the apostles. They were were following in his way. They weren't Christians because they they grew up in a Christian home. They weren't Christians because they had a cross equals heart bumper sticker on the back of their donkey. (laughs) They weren't Christians because they they raised their hand at the end of Peter's sermon and prayed a little prayer. No, no, no. They were Christians because they followed Jesus. They were followers of, of, of Jesus. Now in the New Testament, followers of Jesus were often called disciples. Disciples weren't just the 12 disciple apostles. All the followers were disciples. In fact, back in Jesus' day, rabbis had disciples. Rabbis would choose disciples to come and sit at their feet and learn from them. And the disciples would dedicate their life to learning from the rabbi. They would be their rabbi's constant companion. They would walk with the rabbi, talk with the rabbi, ask the rabbi questions, eat with the rabbi, spend their full days with their rabbi. In fact, there was a blessing back in the days of Jesus that said, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Which means, may you be walking so closely behind your rabbi that the dust that comes up from his sandals gets all over you. You're not distant, you're not far away, you're not on the outside, May you are right there with him. And I would pray that as followers of Jesus that we would be covered in the dust of Jesus because we are so close to him and his word over our lives. And so if Jesus said the only way that you and I are going to experience this light in our lives is we have to follow him, then I wanted to look back at the first followers to see what they did. In Luke chapter five, we have an account of where Jesus calls his first disciples to follow him standing by the sea of Galilee and he's teaching people and he needs to kind of get back so he can speak to them. And he sees these two boats on the shore. And it says in verse two, that there were two boats left there by some fishermen who were washing their nets. Now they were washing their nets because they were done fishing. And so he got into the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore to go into the deep. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets again. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, look at that, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, sons of Zebedee. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, they left everything, and they followed him. Now remember, the place we are today is a result of the voices we listen to and the people we follow. Peter heard the voice of Jesus because he was in proximity to Jesus. Peter heard Jesus ask him to use his boat so that he could preach, which by the way is proof that a boat can be filled with God's purpose. Just saying for all the fishermen out there, amen? Peter was close enough to hear him say, let out into the deep. Peter was close enough to hear the words that would change his life forever. Come, come follow me he put himself in proximity to Jesus. And I wanna say today, you are putting yourself in proximity to Jesus. Every Sunday as we gather here and we declare worship over our hearts and we say, God speak to us and the word of God is proclaimed over our lives. You are learning to discern the voice of God better every Sunday, every time you open up this word and you study the word and you read the word, you are learning how to discern the voice of God. You're putting yourself in proximity to Jesus who is the word so that you can hear so you know how to follow. And so Jesus finishes teaching and he tells Peter, put out into the deep in verse four and let down the nets for a catch. And Peter replies in verse five, master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Anybody ever gone fishing and didn't catch anything? It's not fun, right? I don't like fishing, I like catching, right? I've been out fishing before, didn't catch anything. No fish, no fun, right? And these guys had fished all night, which meant they, had missed sleep and hadn't caught anything. All they wanted to do, they had already cleaned their nets. All they wanted to do was go home, get something to eat, go to bed. So Peter says to him, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. Now, so many of us stop right there. God tells us to do something and we come up with all the reasons why we don't need to do it. He tells us to do something, we're like, oh, no, that's not gonna work. That's crazy, I've already tried it, already done that. Can't do that tells you to forgive somebody and you're like, ah, how can I forgive them after what they said? After what they've done to my family? I can never forgive them. tells you to serve somebody. You're like, you know what, they ought to be serving me. it tells you you should be a part of dream team and serve at church or go out on fourth Saturday serve and do some stuff in the community. You're like, I got stuff to do around my house. We come up with all sorts of reasons not to do what God is telling us to do. He's given you a word on something. For your families, he's told you to adopt that child or foster care some kids. You're like, oh, how can we do that? I don't know. But he's told you to do something. And we come up with this, this excuse. And every time we come up with an excuse when God speaks to us, what we're saying is, God, we know better than you. Now, we would never say, God, we know better than you because if we actually said that, like the, the ceiling would part and lightning would strike. But our actions are saying that. We're ignoring what he's instructed us to do in our life already. see, when we do our own thing our own way, we miss out on the very thing that God is wanting to do in our life. Because if Peter had stopped there, he would have missed out on the biggest catch of a lifetime, a boatload of fish, he would have missed it if he had just gone, yeah, we've already tried. It's not gonna work, not a good idea. But Peter didn't stop there. Peter, he goes on to say that he says, in verse five of the second half, but because you say so, Jesus, because you say so. We're talking about following Jesus, y'all with me? Because you say so, I will let down the nets again. Because you speak, because you have spoken, because you have said so. I wonder what God has already said so to you. I wonder what God has already spoken to you and you've been ignoring it, hoping he doesn't say it again. You've been justifying it. Well, it's not that big of a deal. He's been talking to you about a relationship that you're in that, is not the best relationship for you. You're hanging around some people that he's saying, those aren't the people that are gonna get you where you need to go. And you've been ignoring what he's been saying to you. You've been maybe justifying something in your life, a little bit of compromise in your life and thinking it's not that big of a deal. And God's been speaking to you. We're talking about following Jesus. I'm praying that we will be a church filled with so many people that are like, God, because you say so, I may not understand it, I may not like it, but because you say so, I'm going to do it. And that's exactly what Peter did. He cast the nets one more time. And it says that he got so much fish in the boat that the boats began to sink. They called another boat over. That began to sink. And I believe that this is actually a a picture of what um, this over-the-top, more-than-you-can-imagine kind of life that God has for you to live. This is a picture of it, because there's no way Peter could have imagined having this kind of a catch. He just didn't even see it coming. They had fished all night in those waters, but but God blew them away. And I believe that God wants to blow you away as you step out of wherever you are into the light and follow Jesus. Now verse 11 is where I wanna land for a few minutes. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, they left everything, and they followed him. That means they left their boats, they left their nets, They left all that fish that they had just caught. They didn't go, hey, let us go. Can we go like clean this up and sell this real fast? And then we'll be, no. They left everything. They left their possessions. They left their homes. They left their their jobs. They left everything to follow Jesus. Now you may be thinking, Todd, does that mean that I need to quit my job Monday to follow Jesus? No, please don't do that. Because if you do that, then you're gonna lose your house and you're gonna wanna come live with me and Julie and I don't have that many rooms in our house. All right. And plus, Jesus didn't ask everybody to leave their possessions and homes to do that. Just think of Lazarus and Mary and Martha and all that. But but here's the point. There will be a cost for you to follow Jesus. There will be a price that you and I have to pay to follow Jesus. The late Billy Graham said that salvation is free, but discipleship, which is following Jesus, That's gonna cost you everything. There's gonna be a price that you and I pay to actually follow Jesus. And there's two things I see in this call to follow, in these first followers. The first is a call to commit. It's a call to fully commit to the way of Jesus and the person of Jesus, an all-out commitment I have decided to follow Jesus. I won't turn back, I won't turn back. Doesn't matter who goes with me or doesn't go with me. Doesn't matter if my family or my friends follow, I'm gonna follow. Doesn't matter what they think about me, I'm gonna follow. Doesn't matter if it goes against what I like, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm I'm committed to following Jesus. I'm not gonna turn around. When he goes rough, when he doesn't answer my prayers the way I want him to, when he doesn't come through for my family or give me that job or heal my son the way I want him to, doesn't matter. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna follow what he says. I'm gonna follow what he's telling me to do. I'm committed. Now, the truth is, we don't like that word commitment. We try to avoid commitment at every turn, right? We wanna know, what's the money back guarantee? Like, when I, when I click to, to buy the the airline ticket, I wanna know what the cancellation policy is, just in case, right? Can I get my money back from that hotel if I put my money down on that, can I get? We, we wanna know because we're afraid of commitment, but can I tell you that anything that is worth anything is gonna require commitment. You want a great marriage? You're gonna to have to work at that marriage. It's gonna require commitment. You want great friendships? You're gonna to have to serve your friends and love your friends and put up with some stuff. It's gonna take some commitment. If you quit every time somebody hurts you, you're not gonna have any friends. If you wanna start a business, that takes a lot of commitment. You wanna get your degree, gonna take a lot of commitment. You don't just apply for school, you actually have to go to school. You gotta work on those papers, right? It requires a commitment. And I believe that if you and I are ever gonna step into this over the top, abundant life, more than two boats can handle kind of life, it's gonna take a commitment. We gotta be committed. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter nine, verse 23, when he was talking about this commitment to follow, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, okay, so here it is, real plain and clear, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life and what you think you gotta have and oh, you're gonna lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you're gonna find life the way you want it. I love this passage. There's so much theology in here. First, it starts with a choice. If, if any of you wants to be my follower, if, it's, it's a choice you have to make. Your mama and daddy can't make it for you. Your spouse can't make it for you. You've got to make this choice. And if you want it, you've got to give up your own way, your own way of thinking your own way of doing life and make the commitment to say, Jesus, I'm gonna do life the way you created life to be done. I'm gonna do marriage the way you created marriage to be done. I'm gonna do sexual relations the way you created that to be done. I'm gonna do friendships the way, I'm gonna do business with integrity the way you created, I'm gonna do it your way. I'm gonna take up my cross daily. You know, the, the cross in Jesus's day wasn't a piece of jewelry that people wore around their neck or a bumper sticker they put on their car. It was an emblem of Death. and so what Jesus is saying he's here is we've got to put our old carnal nature to death every day those things inside of me that want different than what Jesus wants for me I have to crucify that so that I no longer live and Christ now lives in me and if every day I'm crucifying and putting that old man to death then the new man is able to live But if I don't put the old man to death and I keep feeding the old man and let the old guy, old carnal ways still do what they wanna do, I'm never gonna experience the life that Jesus wants me to live. So every day, if I'm gonna follow him and you're gonna follow him, you've gotta do this. And then the Bible says that last part, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake, that's when you really find life. That speaks to the full commitment. So have you made that full commitment? I'm afraid a lot of people, in the church haven't made that kind of commitment. Maybe you didn't even know you had to make that kind of commitment. And if you haven't made that kind of all out surrender commitment to Jesus, I'm not holding back. I'm not like gonna follow you this part or just, I'll be there on Sundays, but the rest of the week is mine. No, no, a full out, Jesus, you get all of my life. We're gonna pray a prayer in just a couple minutes and and that's the commitment you need to make today. A full out commitment, because I want the life that you have for me. I wanna step into the light that brings life. The second truth I see in these first followers is that this call to follow Jesus was also a a call to change. Jesus was actually calling them to to change, to leave their old life behind and to step into a new life that is full of purpose and destiny. But they they couldn't stay who they were and become who they were supposed to be at the same time. Like they couldn't stay back in the boat, fishing and doing their old life and their old thing and then become who they're supposed to be as followers of Jesus, right? You can't be who you're gonna be and who you used to be at the same time. When you decide to follow Jesus, he's gonna change you. Like he's gonna change the way you think. He's gonna change the words you use. He's gonna change your attitude and your temper and your anger and your, he'll change, the, he'll change your mouth. Things you used to spout off and say, You'll start to say it and the spirit of Christ inside of you will go, no, 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 don't say that. Or after you say it, because he got out, he'll speak to you and say, let's not do that again. Those words don't build up, right? He'll change you. His spirit inside of you changes your priority. He'll mess you up in the best way possible. In in Matthew's account of the calling of the first disciples, Jesus says, I'm now gonna make you fishers of men. It says, I will make you. They, I'm gonna take you from being fishermen to being fishers of men. I will make you. You're not there yet, but I'm gonna make you that. I, you may not be where you wanna be yet, but if you let my work inside of you happen, that's called sanctification. It's a big word, but it really just means allowing the Holy Spirit to change us, the Spirit of Christ to change us from the inside so that we no longer look like we used to look. We no longer act like we used to act. We no longer, now we don't do it ourselves. We let him do it. Saying, Spirit of God, because I've given you full access to my life, you, you can do what you need to do on the inside of me and change me. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says this, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. Say that last part with me out loud everywhere. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Man, when you step into this relationship of full surrender, you step out of the darkness into the light, man, you can't hang out in the darkness anymore. In fact, all through the New Testament, we are actually called children of the light. Sons and daughters of the light. We reflect the light that is within us. In fact, out of all the I am statements that Jesus teaches, this is the only one that he turns back towards us. In Matthew chapter five, see, he he says in Matthew five, you are the light of the world, talking to us. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought you were the light of the world. No, he says, you are the light of the world. Wait, you, you, no, you, you are the light of the world. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a, a candle and put it under a basket, but on a candlestick so that it gives light to everybody that's in the house so everyone can see. And then he says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let the light of God in you shine out so bright that it gets everywhere and pushes back the darkness and helps people that are stuck in the darkness, held captive in the darkness, find the freedom and the life that God wants to bring them. But the only way we get that freedom, the only way we get that life is through the light, following the light. Back in the 1800s, the Underground Railroad was very instrumental in leading slaves to freedom. Thousands and thousands of slaves in the South were led to freedom through the Underground Railroad. And one of the most well known conductors of the Underground Railroad was Harriet Tubman. She personally led hundreds and hundreds of slaves to freedom in the North, many times without a map or without a compass. And they would find their way by keeping their eyes on the sky, locating the North Star that pointed true north. It's the navigational star that if they didn't know where they were, they, they could be fearful of what was going on around them. If they could find the North Star, then they would know which way to go. And they would follow that North Star all the way to the North where they would find freedom and life and a new beginning and hope and breathe again. For some of you, it's time to to look up to your North Star, to look up to Jesus, to follow him. That even if you can't figure out what's going on around you, if you look up to God, if you look up to Jesus say, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. That's where you're telling me to go. That's where I'm gonna go. You will step out of whatever you may be in today and you'll step into the light and the freedom and the hope that Jesus has for you. But you don't find it unless you step into the light. I wanna pray two prayers today for us. I wanna pray the first prayer for all of us, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, that we will allow the spirit of Christ to transform and change us. Wherever you are on that journey, can I tell you, you've got farther to go. You're not there yet and neither am I. So we're gonna pray that God's spirit would continue to change us. But the second prayer I wanna pray are for those that need to make a commitment today. Maybe you've never fully committed to Jesus Christ and turned over full surrender to him. That's the only way that you step out of your old life and you step into the new. That second prayer is gonna be for you. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray together today? Father God, we thank you for your word that points us to life. Your word that helps us to see maybe where we've been. And God, we wanna be a, a, a bunch of people that say, because you say so, Even when we don't understand it, even when we can't fully get our minds around the why, we're gonna be followers of Jesus Christ, followers of your way. We want the dust of our rabbi to get on us because we are following in your footsteps, God. So I pray for all of us today that you would, no matter where we are, some that have been maybe following Jesus for years and decades, that God, all of us would move closer to you, closer to the light. As we continue to pray with every head bowed, if you're here today and you would say, Todd, I don't know that I've ever fully made a full on commitment to Jesus Christ. But today's your day to do that. Today's your day to recognize that you need everything that he has for you. It's the only way you step out of the dark into the light as you step out of what's holding you back into the freedom Christ has for you. And I'm gonna pray this second prayer. And if you would say, Todd, include me in the second prayer that Jesus would step in and make everything new on the inside of me. If that's you today, right where you are, just raise your hand. Let me know who I'm praying for. Yes, Hold, hold your hands up high. All our locations, hold your hands up high because this is for you to say before God, God, I, I, I'm committing to follow you. I surrender my life to you. Keep those up as we pray. We're all gonna pray this together out loud. Just say this, say, Dear Lord Jesus, I want to follow you with all my heart. Forgive me of my sin for going my own way. And I will follow you the best I know how for the rest of my life Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.